All right, as you return to your seats, let me introduce myself, Dan Taylor. I'm the campus pastor here at Life Church. If you are here for the first, thank you very much. If you're here for the first time, we are so thankful to have you. We hope that you sense the presence of God and believe that this is a place where you can experience life change. That's what we believe in. We are so blessed in this church. Week after week, we have Lisa leading worship, and then sometimes Mackenzie comes from our Germantown campus, and that's such a blessing. And then today, Charisma leading our worship. Great job bringing us into the presence of God. And that was particularly great for me because when we both lived in a different area, I was once upon a time her pastor, and so I had the privilege of putting into her life and into their family, and it's one of those great moments in life that you get to see a return, and you don't always get to see that. Hebrews 11 says that a lot of people believed, but they passed before they got to see the fruit of what they had poured in and what they had believed for, and so I got to see some fruit today, so thank you very much. That was awesome. And whether you're ready or not, here come the holidays. I mean, we are in full swing. Unfortunately, I said last year that I was going to to lose some weight this year. Uh, That did not happen. So I went to the mall this week. I mean, it's the holidays. I might as well wait till January 2nd again, right? So I bought some of these grandpa pants with elastic all the way around them, you know? And I figure I can just grow into those the rest of the holiday. It'll be pretty nice. Uh, I think of that country song that has a great theology. Girls lie too, right? They don't mind if... Husbands get so fat they have to wear sweatpants all the time and that jazz and the whole theme is girls lie too. But uh, anyway, I'm looking forward to it. How many of you guys know or even the ladies, how many of you know that when you come into a family with a strong mother's presence uh, of cooking and serving the family, you better learn her recipes, right? So at Thanksgiving, we're having my mom's stuffing, right? I look so forward to that. Her green salad, she makes it differently than anybody else. And then my wife's contribution is the corn casserole. She started that. My family loves it. And we have what we call Taylor Thanksgiving. And it's a crazy time. It's not as if we think we own the holiday. But yet at the same time, it's the one occasion a year where my parents, my family, and both of my brother's families get together and we spend a few days together, uh, the only time of the year, and it is super crazy. We go from everything from young kids doing and writing their own plays and musicals, playing their instruments, and uh, right up to when the We was popular with We Dance, right? My parents were almost 70, and we had them doing We Dance on video, and it was so special last year to look back or the year before because my mom has been gone a couple of years now, and so we were able to look back at that and laugh and enjoy, and and I hope and I pray that you have just a great holiday season, 
But if the holidays are not something special for you, maybe you lost someone around the holidays in recent years and you continue to struggle with that. Uh, I think of a trucker in the, the greater Green Bay area who, who died this last week, and it's going to be difficult for their family. So if that's you, maybe, maybe there's not uh, the, the income that you're used to, maybe you lost a job, whatever it is, we want you to know that we're praying for you as well, that God will provide for you the same way he provided for my family the year after my mom passed away, and it was so different and, and difficult for our family. So we're praying for you as well. And before I start my message today, I'd like you to look in your cup holder, and you will find a card there that was designed, in fact, by the one and only Mackenzie Gimbin. She's with us today. Thank you so much. It's a Your Invited card. It's a generic card for you to invite any of your friends, not just to a special event. You'll hear about some special events that are happening in December. We would love for you to be a part of those. But a few of these, take a few of these, carry them in your car, and then when you're talking to someone, or take a couple of them to work, and when you're talking to somebody, and the subject comes up, or you bring the subject up, or somebody's going through a difficulty, and you say, hey, how do you handle that in your life? What role does faith play? And then you say, in, in those times in my life, faith plays such a, an important time, and I've learned so much about it at my church. In fact, I would invite you to join us. I would invite you to check it out for yourself. So take some of those. They're on the, the host table under the orange tent. We'd love for you to do that. And then we continue our series today called Chasing Carrots. Chasing Carrots, it's a series all about the things we pursue in our lives to try and find happiness or to find fulfillment in that empty place in our lives. And today we're talking about the endless pursuit of stuff. We are big on stuff, right? Now, two things I want you to know. Number one, this is not a message to cause you to feel guilty as we move into Christmas, right? Because you probably just created your Christmas list and, and, or been dropping hints to your husband, wife, or whatever it is. Uh, you know, hey, I'd kind of like this if you're going to get me something for, for Christmas. And I, I would say this, if you're going to, to buy something for someone or do something for someone for a gift, put some thought into it, okay? Okay. One year, I opened a tie at a family Thanksgiving at, or a family Christmas, and, and it was an okay tie, you know, it was a little bit outdated, and, and the person who gave it to me said, I think it's so you, I bought that a couple years ago on sale and wondered who I was going to give it to, and so I ended up giving it to you, and uh, if you're going to buy something or do some favor for somebody, put some thought into it. So number one, it's not about making you feel guilty at this great time of year when we try and bless people. It's also not about the fact that we're going to receive some kind of special giving or have some special project that, that we're going to be doing. But it is about our journey with stuff. 
We are big on stuff. You say, Pastor Dan, I'm not very big on stuff. I don't have to have a a lot of things to, to be happy. Really, have you looked in your closets lately? Have you looked in your storage room lately? And if this is you, and some of you it will be, I'm not trying to pick on you. I don't know who it is, but certainly it's somebody in this place. Have you looked in your two or three car garage that is so full of stuff you can't even park a vehicle in it? Right? Come on. Is that America or what? You go through these nice neighborhoods. They have, they have two cars sitting in the garage. I have friends this way. And, and I'm like, why don't you park in the garage? Well, we can't get our cars in the garage. I say, rent a storage room. And they say, we have one. That's for real. I'm not making that up. Americans love our stuff. We're all about that. I can assure you that you will not find me other than as we've been moving our stuff into our house little by little, you will not find me parking outside because there's stuff in my garage. It will be donated, pitched, whatever it is, uh, because I am going to park in there where the snow and leaves do not get on my vehicle. Anyway, that's just a little of my OCD. Um, you say, well, Pastor Dan, I don't, I don't make enough money to really be about stuff. Well, can I tell you that being, having stuff be in possession of you is not about socioeconomic status? It's not at all. You say, how can that be? You have to have the, the money to buy stuff. One of my closest friends, he doesn't make much of a living at all according to what we would consider in America. And he has whole buildings filled with junk. You can't move in his house. And he says to me, people like you are too much into their stuff because I actually, God forbid, wash my car and I'll even put a coat of wax on it a couple times a year. And he says, you got, you're too much into your stuff. My car has started to rust, in fact. I drive a 2011, and it has two rust spots. I'm, I'm melting down. I've never had that before. So maybe he's right, but here's the thing. He has buildings filled with junk, and we try and get him to let go of it, and he says, I can't. It's valuable. So even though he does not make much money, even though he can't afford something that I would think is nice, he still is consumed by stuff. And you say, well, Pastor Dan, is it wrong for us to have stuff? No, 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 not at all. That's not the point. But it is wrong for our stuff to have us. There's a difference in stewardship, taking care of what God has given us, We have to be stewards of everything, the talents he's given us, the resources he's given us, stewards of everything, but those things cannot have us. So I have a question for you today. How many of you believe that you are filthy rich? Raise your hand. 
You say, Pastor Dan, I am filthy rich. Raise your hand. Kristen, you better not because we, you know the truth. Okay, are you filthy rich, right? Did I see a hand? No, we don't think we're filthy rich, but in reality, we are. In reality, you are filthy rich. Do you realize that over 3 billion people in the world, half of the world lives on $2 a day, $60 a month, less than $1,000 a year. Some of us here today could write a $1,000 check and place it in the offering. Not even our tithe. Just place it in the offering. You would not even notice that it's gone. And they're living on less than $1,000 a year. Half of the world. You don't feel rich because you compare yourself to other rich people. And you actually think that you have to be the richest of the richest to consider yourself rich. I was reading last night, if you make $130,000 total income in your family, you are in the top 10 percentile of wealth in the United States. If together, two people... Make $130,000, you are in the top 10 percentile of wealthy people in the United States, which is one of the wealthiest places in the world. You say, oh, Pastor Dan, are you preaching about uh, us having money? Absolutely not. I want God to bless you. I just talked to my daughter about this last night. She interviewed for a job. I said, how much are they going to pay you? She said it. I tried not to choke out of jealousy. And, and I'm, I'm like, I hope you get that job. And then I said, and Morgan, remember all the miracles that God has done for you this year. And then you start pumping it into the offering plate as it comes by. So we can change the world, right? So I hope God blesses you so you can be a blessing. And I hope God blesses me so that I can be a blessing. So this is not about not having something. Gallup did a poll about what people thought was rich. This is interesting. People who made $30,000 a year said that if I could make seventy dollars to $75,000 a year, I would feel like I was rich. Those people who made $50,000 a year said if I could make 100000 I would truly be rich. Those who made 100000 said 200000 and so on. And people of significant means said if I had $5 million in free assets, I would consider myself rich. And we only have those mindsets because rich is a moving target, and we compare it to different things. How much do you need to be happy? How much do you need to be happy? And I would say, if you're honest, 
you would say a little bit more. A little bit more security. If instead of a 2011 Chevy Silverado with two quarter-sized pieces of rust on the back flare, if I could just have a 2016 or 17 that wouldn't rust for a few more years, then, you know, I could drive down the road and not feel like everybody's eyes are on the rust. What would make you happy? New car, new job, new camper, new boat, new house, new apartment. See, the good news is that you're rich. You are filthy rich. Like, I will pick people up, no kidding. I will pick people up on the side of the road who are walking. About a year ago, I picked up a guy in the pouring rain. He's walking from one city to our city, which is about 19 miles. And I knew where he was headed, and I picked him up in the pouring rain. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm walking to work, 19 miles. And I'm like, this guy is poor if you're walking to work. And he says, hold on, I'll text my boss and let him know that I got picked up and I'll be in. He pulls out an iPhone nicer than mine. He's filthy rich. You following me? The good news is that you are rich. It's just that you don't believe you're rich. The bad news is that you're rich. And you say, why is that bad news? Well, it's bad news because like the rich young ruler that Jesus talked to. And he said, you know, Lord, what, what can I do to be saved? And, and he said, I already keep all the laws. I keep the commands. And, and Jesus said, well, give everything you have to the poor and you'll be saved. And people have taken that to, to mean that we should give everything we have to the poor. No, he was pointing out a principle to the rich young ruler that he had gone from having stuff to having his stuff have him. And so when you have the privilege of having stuff, you run a higher risk of those things having you. Also, as that story goes on, Jesus says, it's, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. Why is that? Because it's more difficult to trust God. When you can take care of yourself, think of it, the key times in your life, when you have really had to trust God, it's different than when you've had a problem and you haven't really had to trust God. When the transmission went out on my, my vehicle a month or so ago, two months ago, and I've never had that happen before. It's the first large car repair I've ever had to pay. 
My buddy runs a car repair shop, and he said, I'll do you, do you well. I'll, co- I'll only cover, cover my costs. He said, it'll be $3,400. Sometimes you say, hey, here's the check. Praise God, I had the money. Other times you say, oh, Lord, <laughs> I can't do this, right? You're going to have to intervene here. And the more we have, the more we trust ourselves. Get this also. There's greater responsibility with our wealth. Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is what? Required. America should be and continues to be a place of tremendous giving. That's why we support Convoy of Hope, so we can be a part of seeing God do incredible things around the country and, or excuse me, around the world, feeding the poor, meeting people's needs. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. We're going to process through just a few verses here quickly. It says this, Command those who are rich in this present world, so that's us, not to be arrogant nor to put hope in their wealth. So we shouldn't be arrogant. We shouldn't put hope in our wealth, which is so uncertain. We all learned that about 10 years ago at the crash. But to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. We'll come back to that Last line at the end of our message. So the first thing I want you to know from this text is this. God blesses me with more than I need. We don't feel that way all of the time. I was speaking with Ethan. He does video for all of the campuses, and we had coffee together last evening, and we were talking about our lives, and and I was talking up to him about my life when I was kind of where he is at his age. And, and we went on a date, my wife and I, and, and we spent $7. And I was afraid that I wouldn't have the $7 to pay the bill. And God forgive me, that server did not get a tip. And, and I had to ask her to chip in, okay? So we used to date with a bag of popcorn watching National Geographic on TV. And Ethan and I were talking about this, and, and so we said, and he was talking about being at that place sometimes in his life, and we said, you know what we're going to do? We're gonna, he's going to talk to his girlfriend. I'm going to talk to my wife, which I did last night. She didn't know this part of the story, though. And between now and Christmas, I'm going to take her on a $7 date. So it's my job to create as much fun for us on $7 now that we can spend 10 But on $7, 
as we did when that's all, all that we had. And when we had $7 dates, get this, it's so important, and split a bag of microwave popcorn, we had more than we needed. We just get used to being rich. We get used to being filthy, stinking rich. I will confess my sin to you this morning openly. The only three things I cannot do without in my life, I wish I could be delivered, is a leaf blower. Every man needs a leaf blower, right? Get rid of the broom. Number two, where I live, there are so many trees, you got to have a lawn tractor, and it's got to suck up leaves and have a bagger on it, right? And it needs to be a good bagger. And number three, because they don't haul the debris in Greenville, you have to have a trailer to move those leaves, okay? So there are three things, everything else I can do without, but if I'm going to live there, I've got to have those things. But God gives us more than we could ever imagine, more than we need. But being rich can introduce some problems. As I mentioned earlier, it's harder to depend on God. It distracts us from priorities. And you have, as I mentioned, greater responsibility if you, not if, we are people of wealth. And I don't want you to feel guilty about that. And I don't want to feel guilty about that. But I want to feel responsible. I want to feel responsible. I want my daughter to say, Dad, why did you give X to so-and-so when I am a struggling college student, right? This is real. Because you have more than you can ever imagine. You just don't understand it. And they really have a genuine need. And if I continue to give more to you and you don't have any struggle in your life, you're not going to appreciate what you do have. Be responsible with the wealth that God has given you. Number two, I will not trust in my riches, but him who richly provides. My dad worked at General Motors for 41 years. There was this mindset that if your parents worked at General Motors, you were wealthy by American standards, not world standards, which was not actually correct. But anyway, my dad and I were talking after I was an adult, and he said, you know, Dan, one of the things I had to learn over the years, when we would have a problem at General Motors, they would talk about shutting the plant down, which eventually happened. He said, I have to remember that General Motors is not the one that takes care of me. They currently write my check, but God is my provider. 
whoever writes your check is not your provider. And if you think they're your provider, you're highly mistaken. And can I say this? You're not even your provider. You say, oh, Pastor Dan, but, but I, I go out and I make this money. I'm up at 4 o'clock every day. I'm up, you know, doing whatever. I, I went to college. I did all these things. Can I tell you that God's word says that it's God, your creator, who gave you the skills to do what you do? So you did not, cannot even take credit for what you do, what you're good at. That comes from God. So it's God who richly blesses us. Don't be consumed with this mindset that you have to have more and more. When people trust money, when people are consumed by money or things or stuff, they never have enough. One of my closest friends makes several hundred thousand dollars a year for uh, his wage. And on a good year, more than that. Do you know what he struggles with? Money. Stuff. Pastor Dan, why can't I find peace? Everybody thinks he would have peace. I mean, our friends think he would be at peace. He's got cash in the bank, no peace in his heart. Because he's consumed by more. Whether you have little by American standards or whether you have much, you can still be consumed by more. And it's problematic. Ecclesiastes says, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Proverbs says the rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. Also, if you trust in your riches instead of the God who so richly provides them, you will have trouble giving big. You will have trouble giving big. You say, Pastor Dan, what is it to give big? Can I tell you it's not based on a dollar amount? God does not expect me to give the same dollar figure that my friend that I just mentioned to you does. And I'm reminded of the story when there was an offering being taken at the temple and Jesus said to his disciples, he said, hey, look what's going to happen here. Now, do you realize we say, oh, my giving should be private. Don't let the left hand know what my right hand's doing and all this. The, the point is not that we're unable to have anyone know what we give. It's just not to be a a proud kind of person. They could see what people were giving. And this widow comes up with two mites, less than a penny. And Jesus said she gave more than everyone else because it was according to what she had or didn't have. Her sacrifice was the greatest. And when you trust in your wealth instead of 
The God who so graciously gives your wealth, it's hard to be generous. It's hard to give big. Moving on. Final thing is this. Because I have more, I will give and I will do more. Verse 18 of our text. Command them, Paul says, to do good, to be rich in good deeds. God wants us to give more. He wants us to do more. He wants to make us to make a difference with what he's given us. Listen to what 1 Peter 2 says. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, so they're going to they're going to say you're doing a bunch of stuff wrong, they're going to try and discredit you. But live such good lives among the pagans that they see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. That's good. To whom much is given, much is expected. Don't trust your stuff. I'm sorry to pick on her today. My wife and I planted the church that Charisma grew up in. I should have been moving into some of my best earning years. I hesitate to tell you this, but I'm going to. One year, I made $14,000 when I was a church planner. Can I just tell you that ain't no money? Somebody has to do it. And do you know what I got to see today? The investment of what I didn't have here that I will have there. That's good stuff. Somebody's got to say something. Come on now. The investment of what I did not have here that I will have there. That a car with no rust would never have provided. But doing something with it. So people, even people that are unbelievers, say, look at how those people live. They really bring glory to God. God wants us to be rich in generosity. Proverbs says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And he wants us to be rich in relationships. But here's the thing. A person who pursues stuff will automatically stress their relationships. Did you follow me? Man, I told you about constant difficulty within the dynamic of his family. Rich, but not rich in relationship. The 
pursuit of stuff dampens your ability to have wealth in your relationships. The temporary things of this world promise much but deliver little. But it's when God uses you, God blesses you to make an eternal impact that you might be like the people in Hebrews and never see it until you get to heaven. A couple years ago, I had the privilege of being on a missions trip and we were working at an orphanage. And I have to tell you, I wasn't that amused about working at this orphanage. We had put a floor in a church. I was tired. We went to paint at this orphanage and then went back and played with the kids at, at night. And you walk into this building and it's like, it's a f- building that's former Soviet Union style. I mean, if you've seen them, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but it's hard to explain if you if you haven't seen them. And, and so we go in and this lady's unlocking um, big metal great ch- uh, doors. And I'm like, what's all of this about, you know? And she walks us through these corridors, these big empty rooms, and she gets us to this orphanage. And we went upstairs. And as you walked up the hall to where these kids stay, it's so gross. I'm like, kids stay here? Yeah, this is where they live. I walked past bedrooms. I promised before God, I walked past bedrooms that had beds that I would not allow my dog to sleep in. That's true stuff. I would not allow, if my, no way. And then come in my house? Are you kidding? So we paint this place. Honestly, it's like putting a ribbon on a sow. You're like, what'd we do, you know? It's, it's, it's nothing. That church in that city and country, as a result of what we did, the money we left behind, the effort we did that day, the kindness we showed those kids when we played sports with them and whatever, They have an ongoing relationship. That orphanage has asked the missionary to do stuff, to be involved on their behalf. That's about kingdom investment. You gotta spend something. You can't be consumed by your stuff because everybody on that team needed something at home. But you're rich in good deeds. I'll never know the kids who may be in heaven as a result of that trip. That's kingdom life. That's what all this is about. Kingdom life, life change, not only for us, but for others as well. 
You know, if you're our guest today, we're in the process of looking for a building for our campus. We want you to know that. But I want those of you that are regular attenders here at Life Church and a part of Life Church to know this. We have to be more generous outside of here while we go through this process. We have to do more outside of here so we don't get focused on ourselves. Because once we're focused on us, once we say, well, we can't do that, we gotta have this building, we gotta, and I'm all for that, I, I can't wait. And I, I want God to do part of that through me. Let me say this, I don't want the, now I'm off the beaten path here, okay? I'm just gonna say, don't leave that part to somebody else. Okay, that's not for me. That's not for the person next to you. That's for you. That's for every one of us to get that building built. But also to be rich in good deeds in the world as we do it. Lord, we bless you. We love you, God. I pray, Lord, that my words as we've talked on this subject and it's a great subject as we journey through life and depending on where we are we're in different places on that journey and and so God I pray that the things that I've shared that maybe could be misunderstood that people would understand my heart where I am this is we have got to hear it's not bad to have stuff but stuff can't have us we will not fulfill the mission. And you won't change, be able to change us. So God, I pray that you would build our church, build our campus into a church that is so powerful, so rich in good deeds that even our adversaries would take notice that even our adversaries would say, look how those people live. It's amazing. Would you do this, Lord, as we surrender ourselves to you? Amen. What an awesome, awesome word from Pastor Dan. Can we give it up for him? So good, so good, so challenging. Right now, we wanna give you an opportunity to respond to that message, to respond with generosity because we know that giving isn't an obligation it's an opportunity here it's a way for us to say God we know that we don't own what you've given us but God we freely return it back to you and we know that God can do exceedingly and abundantly more with our 10% than we could do with our 100% so I encourage you today if you're a regular regular attender get ready your tithe and offering above and beyond the tithe if you if you feel urged to do that as the ushers prepare to get our offering today. And if you're a guest with us, we do not ask that you give anything monetarily. We just want you to be our guest. But we do ask that you fill out this guest card that's up here behind me. And it's just a way for us to get to know you a little bit better, to get to, to find out some information about you and not do anything weird with it, we promise. But we just want to get to know you and welcome you here at Life Church. And if you just take that card out with you after service, we want to thank you for being here and also give you a small gift and token of our appreciation for you joining us here where you could be anywhere else on a Sunday morning. We also know that giving and generosity doesn't just come from giving our money, but it comes from giving our time, our talent. 
So we encourage you, if you feel like you're urged to step into a new, a new place in your faith today, to activate your faith, we have a Next Steps card. Check one of those boxes. If you feel like, I really want to get involved, I want to give more of my time, more of my talent, we have so many opportunities for you to be able to get involved here. So whether that's being involved on a mission trip, getting water baptized, being a part of a life team, we encourage you to go through Life Track to get to know more of our DNA and get to be plugged into the thing that you, you feel most called to. Because we, we believe in the church and we believe in you and want to encourage you and empower you to use the gifts that God's given you. We also have some upcoming things, so if you have a lot of spare time. We have some events coming up. One of them is our angel tree. We do this every single Christmas, and in the spirit of generosity, we love to give gifts. And every year, we hand out cards at the tree out in the lobby where you can pick out a gift for a child in need that maybe their parents won't be able to afford a gift for them this year. So you can buy a gift for them, take as many cards as you want, and we would love to be able to give the opportunity to parents. There's going to be a Christmas pop-up shop at our Life Center in Milwaukee where parents will be able to walk through the aisles and pick out gifts for their kids so that they can bring them home for Christmas this year, putting the pride back in the parents and letting them give gifts to their kids. And that's such a cool thing. So we want to partner with Life Center Milwaukee and help them accomplish that. And also for us ladies in the room, we have a really cool event called 70 Palms Christmas coming up. It's going to be a time where we can get together, worship, hear Miss Tammy Cole preach, and say an awesome word about the birth of Jesus and, and just the joy that he brings in this season. There will be a video that is going to explain it a little bit better than I do, but especially for Appleton, we will have a bus that's going to transport all the women down to Germantown campus, which is where the event will be held, and we'll have some Chick-fil-A dinner because who doesn't like food? I love food, and Chick-fil-A is yummy. So ladies, I invite you to come join us on December 3rd. It's going to be an awesome, awesome evening of worship and just celebrating together. But I encourage you, thank you so much in advance for your generosity and for giving today. We are so happy. Why don't we pray and then we'll see the video and I'll be back out to close service. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for bringing every single one of us into this room. God, we love you so much. And we just pray that you would do so much more than we could with the 10% that we give you today and even above that tithe. God, we know that you are so good and you are such a good steward of the things that we give you. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you as you give today. Ladies, I want to invite you to join me at 70 Palms Christmas on Tuesday, December the 3rd at 7 p.m. here at the Germantown campus. Ladies, this is going to be a beautiful evening that we have planned and prepared just for you. Appleton, Brookfield, Germantown, Milwaukee, all you ladies, we want you to join us for this evening. This evening is designed just for you. It is going to be a night of carols and worship. There's going to be coffee and hot cider with some munchies to go along with it. This will be a beautiful evening that you can invite your friends to, your sisterhood, your tribe. Invite them all. This will be a beautiful evening that we want you to come and join us in as we usher in the Christmas season at 70 Palms Christmas. We're excited to have you come and celebrate with us. What was that? <laughs> oh, I smell smoke.
I told you she was going to be way more fun than I was in explaining that. She's great. <laughs> but with that being said, thank you so much for joining us here at Life Church. We hope you see you here again next weekend. Have a good week.